Well, it is awesome to be here, and uh, can you put that picture of my kids back up? Because my kids are, man, look at those, look at that. Uh, it's funny, my son, when he came out, it was, uh, it was an interesting moment because he looked, thank you, Pastor Christy, don't, don't you love your pastors? Don't you just love them? Um, I remember when my son was born, he came out and he looked exactly like my father-in-law, who is... Um, he, he's South American and he's very, very light skinned and I know I'm white, but like I, I have, so I can, I can get a tan, but my son came out and he was like clear and I was like, wow, okay. Blue eyes, blonde hair, but that's my boy. That's Elias. He's two and a half right now and he is full of energy. Uh, my mom says that he is exactly like me and I'm sowing what, or I'm reaping what I've sown, uh, growing up. And then that's my daughter right there, Gemma. She's in the, uh, in the nursery right now. She's, uh, six, 17 months, 18 months, 17 months. And, uh, we, I love my kids. I love being a dad. It's the greatest gift. It's the hardest thing in the world, but it's the greatest gift. And, uh, uh, I love my kids, I love my family, I love my wife, Nicole, she's the greatest gift to me, and uh, my, I believe that my first ministry, even as a pastor, is my family, and uh, I love my family, I work hard to, to make sure my wife is happy, and, uh, and my family stays healthy, so uh, men in the room, if you're married and you got kids, that's your first ministry, make, make sure you're uh, taking care of business, but if you got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Jonah, we're going to be in the book of Jonah today, chapter 3, um, and before we get there, it, it, it's so funny, because I'm, 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 the, I'm the son of a church planter. My family, we, we planted two churches in my lifetime, one church down in Elk Grove, another church in Natomas, and, and, and those churches have done really well. God has, has blessed both of those churches abundantly, and it's amazing because I, I remember early on telling the Lord, don't ever make me plant a church. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to plant a church, Jesus, because, because I, I watched my dad do it, and he did super good at it, and he was, he, he was super successful with the uh, churches that he planted, and then he drops this in my heart. You're going to go plant a church. I'm like, oh, really? I can't just go find a church to work at, just kind of find something comfortable, and, 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 and just uh, get a place where I can get some benefits and, and all those things, make sure my family's taken care of. No, you're going to go plant a church. And I remember wrestling with the Lord for, for a while on this because I knew what it meant to, to plant a church, to, to take your family, to uproot from a place that you've lived for, for your entire life, and then to go to a place and start something from scratch. It's not an easy task, but I believe that God's called us to it. And I, I got to tell you, your pastors have been inspirational uh, for Nicole and I because we feel like we're just a few years behind them as far as, you know, uh, in life, in, in ministry, and in parenting. They got you know, three kids, right? Yep, three kids. Um, I love watching Pastor Caleb on, uh, on Instagram. He's, he, he always makes me laugh. But uh, I love your pastors. Do you guys love your pastors? You guys got some of the best... What a legacy, what a legacy that, to be a part of. And so um, I, I believe God has a heart for cities. You know, the, the theology and the missiology of church historically has leaned, and especially in, in the more recent history, has leaned more towards suburbs. If you, know, if you know what I mean, you see the big, nice churches that have great uh, facilities, that have all the money in the world, are more towards the suburbs, but it's amazing because statistics say now that there is a great migration happening uh, uh, in, in our time right now of people moving back into cities. 48% of people today live in city limits. And they say by 2020, it's going to be 
closer to 70%. That in 2020, that 70% of the human population are going to be back in the city. So there is a mass migration happening back to the city. So why in the world does the church have a, have, have a mission for a place that, where people are leaving, they're coming back to the city? Why is the church not going where the people are going? That's why I love Project Church. I remember hearing early on when oh, Caleb Cole's planting a church downtown Sacramento. And I heard some folks say, oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work because the city is too expensive. The city, the, any kind of city center, any kind of urban core is too hard because there's too much happening. There'll just be white noise. But I'm here to tell you today, look at this room. Look at, look at what's happening at Project Church. When God says it, he makes a way for it. And so I want to talk today about God's heart for cities. And so in order to do that, we got to look at the origin of the city. You see, this, the idea, the social construct of a city has never been God's design. If you look at, at scripture, God, in, in the beginning, he, he designed a garden. He designed a place uh, of peace. He designed a, pl- a place of rest where his presence could be. It doesn't look like a city. It doesn't look like like the urban core of America. It doesn't look like New York or Sacramento or Oakland. It's so funny because when I told uh, 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 my dad that I feel like God's calling us to plant a church in Oakland, in a city, in a place that hasn't seen uh, 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 at least a church plant in our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, in in almost 40 years. I told him that and he's like, wow. Wow, the city. It's a place that, that, that the church has forgotten. It's a place that, 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 that has more potential, regardless of the reputation that it carries. You see, I remember, I remember saying, uh, we're going to go plant a church in Oakland. It's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. And you know what's so funny? People are like, well, it's a war zone. It's a war zone. Why are you going to go plant a church in a, in a place where that, that's known for crime and gang violence? And, 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 and what's amazing is that I started to speak life over the city that I'm going to. I said, hey, this is a beautiful city. This place has potential. This place is going places. People are coming to Oakland. You know what started happening? It started, that, what I was saying actually started happening. Because when you speak life over something, it begins to show signs of life. Because your words hold power. So... If God never had a heart or never had a design for the city, what is the origin of the idea of a city? We got to go to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, and and we're going to, like I said, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3, but I just got to give you some background here. Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother. And, and, and you, uh, most of us know the story. If you, if you read it, it's, it's, it's really good. But Cain kills Abel. And then God says, Cain, you are going to be sentenced to be a wanderer in a place called Nod. Now, if you look on a map, there's never actually a place on the historical map called Nod. It's actually, it just means the, the place of the wanderer. And so he, so, so he sentenced Cain to become a wanderer. And then God says, or Cain starts, starts uh, uh, complaining, says, hey, God, they're going to kill me out there if I'm just wandering. And it's so funny. He was probably super millennial at the time. I, I know I'm, I'm a millennial, but I can rip on us. It, it's okay. He was, he was like, God, they're going to kill me. It's not going to be safe for me out there. And God says this. He goes, I will put my mark on you. Even in the midst 
of, of your punishment and even in the midst of your wandering, I will still put my mark of protection on you. You see, even though we walk away from God, even though at times in our lives we make mistakes and we are, sent, we are in, a, in a time of wandering, I don't know where you're at today, but if you're in a season of wandering, God still has his mark on you. He still has his mark on you. And, and what's amazing about this is that Cain rejects God's offer. What an idiot. I'm like, bro, come on, man. He rejects God's offering. He's like, I'm just going to go wander. But he, you see, even though he rejected, it didn't mean God still didn't put his mark on him. Cain goes, and, and he becomes this wanderer. And Cain rejects it. And Cain settles in a place they call East of Eden. Eden represented something that was God's intention. East of Eden was not God's intention. Eden was, 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 a, was more than just a garden. It was a metaphor for God's presence. You see, Cain, he settles in a place that is outside of God's presence. Again, what a dope. Why would you do that? So Cain settles east of Eden, and it says, in, it says this. It says, Cain establishes the very first city, and he named it after his son Enoch. And you see, this, the, what's amazing about this is that the city of Enoch, it, it, it meant something. What it meant was it was a spirit of innovation, and you can see how this ties into city centers and urban cores across our world. The idea of innovation, a place of work, a place of, of, of striving, a place of, of, of you're going to have to make it work. And, it, it, and you're going to make it happen. And you have to pay a lot of rent. And it's expensive. And you're going to make a name for yourself. How many, how many movies and TV shows maybe people know and maybe people have seen it uh, and maybe you've been that person where you say, I'm going to move to the big city make a name for myself. We see that in, we see the, the spirit of innovation in cities today. And it's amazing because even outside of God's presence, God's mark was still on Cain so that what he put his, his finger or what he put his, his hand to, he still had the mark of Jesus on him. And this is so crazy because he establishes the first city, the spirit of initiation. I will make a name for myself by myself. And you see, the city went against God's original design of creation, the garden. You see, the garden meant rest. The city meant never rest. You see, the garden was a, a place of Sabbath, God's presence, pure shalom, God's provision. The city is innovation, no rest, a place of strife, a place of man's provision. You know, they talk about cities being a place that people never sleep because they're always trying to work to make sure that they can still survive. When God's presence in the garden, you didn't have to work hard to survive. You had to work, obviously, but you didn't have to work hard to survive. You see in, in, in cities today, people in New York City are never sleeping because they're always working. And it's amazing to me because I feel like in our society, especially in our generation, we have a draw to the city. Everybody loves the city. Even if you don't live in a city, even if you don't live in Sacramento city limits, people come down to the city to, 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 to experience city. People go to San Francisco to experience the, the, the city. People go to Oakland to experience amazing things in the city. So if, if there are amazing things in the city, why can't God move in amazing ways in cities? I believe this. Beyond the shadow of a doubt is that at one point in, in human history, we've traded the garden for the city. 
We've traded a place of rest, a place of Sabbath, a place, a place of peace for a place that, that, that where, where you have to strive. You have to make a name for yourself on your own. And I want to talk today about God's heart for the city. You see, God wants to redeem us. You see, God wanted to redeem Cain. God wanted to, to, and he wants to redeem us even in the midst of our wanderings. You see, what God, uh, put, when God puts his finger, his calling upon your life, there's no way that you can escape the calling. No matter what you're doing, no matter if you're walking in the greatest sin, you're still called. You still have God's mark on your life. Cain rejected God's plan, but God's mark was on him. If God's mark is on you, what you build can be blessed. We see this in Cain's family line. If you look, down, if you look in the genealogy of Cain, his nephew is a guy named Nimrod. Now, yeah, I'll just, I'll, he, had, he had a nephew named, named Nimrod. Say that five times fast. And uh, Nimrod became this great warrior, this great leader. And in the same spirit that Cain built the, the city of Enoch, it was the spirit of initiation, make a name for yourself, by yourself, without God's presence. Nimrod became the father of cities. He, he, he started the city of Babel, which eventually would become the city of Babylon which was the greatest uh, enemy of, uh, of Israel. Not only did he father Babylon, he fathered, or he fathered multiple cities. He ended up fathering this city that we're going to talk about today called Nineveh. And in the same spirit of initiation, in the same spirit of work, that's where we pick up this beauty of God's redemption. And we see God's heart for the city. Go with me to Jonah chapter 3. And we're just going to read a few verses here. You see, Nimrod fathered this city, and he built this great place. And it was a place of conquest. It was a place of, it was a trade city. And uh, if you don't know the story of Jonah, I encourage you to read it. It's a quick read. But just to give you some backstory, Jonah's a prophet. And uh, uh, God says, hey, Jonah, I need you to go to this city called Nineveh. Now, Jonah was a prophet, but he was still human, and he was kind of an idiot. He was kind of hard-headed, kind of stubborn. You see, he says, Jonah, go to Nineveh and give the people this message. And if you don't know the story again, read it, but, but it, just to paraphrase, Jonah goes the opposite direction of what God says to do. He goes 2,000 miles in the wrong direction. Now, if you're going to avoid God's instruction, you can't just kind of like walk in the ditch of God's instruction and avoid it that bad. This dude straight up disobeyed God. God says, go this way. He went that way. Makes, I'm like, bro, come on, man. So, so, so then he, get, he jumps on a ship, and then, uh, the, then the storm comes, and the guys throw him off the ship, and then he's swallowed by the fish three days, three nights. It's, it's, it's a classic story in the Bible. And then he spit up on the, on the beach, and that's where we pick up the story. First, or chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. If you have a pen, underline that a second time. Verse 2, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Deliver the message I've given you this time. 
Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted at the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now here's, this is the amazing part, verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Because the first time he gets the message, he goes the other way. He disobeys. And the second, and then he goes through all the stuff. He goes through the, 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 the going through the storm, getting thrown off, get, and get, going in the fish, getting spit up. And then he, he finally obeys God. And he says one sentence. He says one line. And the Bible says that they believed his message. Now, how much, how many times have we walked outside of God's presence to avoid his calling? When if we would simply walk in his calling for our lives, the door's already open. The hearts are already prepared. If you look at the history of Nineveh, if you look at what was happening in Nineveh before Jonah even shows up, there was, there was unrest. Obviously, people are striving. It's a city. It's all, it's all the things that, that we talked about with cities. It's unrest. It's striving. There's political disunity. People are, are going nuts. I mean, it's kind of like today. And Jonah shows up, and it's like God was handing him the city on a silver platter. People were ready for the message of Jesus. They're ready for the gospel. God wants to redeem us. And he wants to redeem cities after going in the opposite direction. He walks into a city and people respond immediately. I've spent, my, I've spent time in my life going the opposite direction of where Jesus was calling me. I've spent, I spent about five years. You know, I joke about it. I say I was just building my testimony. <laughs> so dumb. If you, don't, if you don't have a season of building a testimony, that is your testimony. But I, spent so, I spent time running in the opposite direction. And it, it in a way, set me back. And then I, I thank God that I met my wife because I, I noticed the first time that we went out to dinner, we went to sushi, and I said, oh, I should get right with Jesus. Because that's a good thing. Because she's amazing. And she brought me to a place of surrendering my life back to Jesus. But your testimony, friends, can be a powerful tool. A powerful story that can help bring people through what you've already gone through. But I want to, I believe this, I, I believe this beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is raising up a generation of Jonas to go to cities, to proclaim the name of Jesus, to speak the gospel. Because you see, what's amazing about cities is that it's pure unrest right now. Look at the political climate of our nation. Look at the, look at the social climate of our nation. There is unrest, uncertainty, there's anxiety everywhere. I'm telling you, friends, the time for the gospel has never been greater. And I believe that what Project Church... I believe that what Anthem Church is going to represent, I believe that any church in cities is going to represent, uh, even in the midst of the mass migration back to cities, there's going to be a great revival. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's going to be a revival. There's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit. There's going to be uh, mass amounts of people getting saved again and, and people getting saved for the first time. God's spirit. I mean, it's in scripture. He will pour out his spirit. Friends, we got to believe that. So I just want to give you three points that I believe that I believe that if we can live by these truths of scripture, that we will see cities turn. You see, Jonah said one sentence, and the city turned. They repented. Why does God want to redeem cities when they were built outside of his presence? It's because we serve a God who redeems everything that we are. We serve a God who's relentless about us and the things that we put our hands to. This is my first point. If God said it, he'll say it again. If God said it, he will say it again. You see, we see God's grace all over Jonah, even in the midst of him walking away and going the opposite direction. You see, grace sometimes looks like a fish. Grace sometimes looks like pain. Grace sometimes looks like hardship. But you see, God's grace in our life is not a license to sin, but it is a, it is a hand to pull us up out of the place that we are at to, to go into a, the place that he has for us. You see, we see God's grace in the fact that he reaffirms the calling on our lives time after time. I was going the opposite direction. But I'm telling you, even in the midst of building my testimony, God kept reaffirming his love for me. He, re he kept reaffirming the fact that I'm called. He kept reaffirming the, 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 the fact that I'm, that I'm approved in his eyes. You see, God reaffirms his calling on our lives. And as human beings, we need repetition. My son, he's so funny. I love my son. He's full of energy. We don't sleep much. We drink a lot of coffee. My son, right now, he's really into Toy Story. And so, like, I don't know if it, how many people in here have little kids, but there's a season of life when they only want to do one thing over and over and over again. So anytime we're in the car, he goes, I listen to Woody. And what he means by that is he wants to hear You've got a friend in me. I've never listened to so much Randy Newman in my life. I mean, he loves listening to it over and over and over and over and over. We just drove to Tahoe. We only listened to that song the entire time. Like, oh gosh. You see, we as humans need repetition because when God says something, he will say it again and again and again. He reaffirms his calling. He reaffirms his love for us again and again and again. And I believe this, that there are people in this room today that God has called to do great things for the kingdom. And he's calling you and calling you and calling you again and again. Next point is this. It's never too late to walk in obedience. Your obedience will open doors that your disobedience could never push open. When you walk in the obedience, when you walk in obedience to Jesus and walk into in the obedience of his calling on your life, he will open doors for you that you could never push open on your own. You see, I was trying and striving and building a name for myself on my own in my season of a testimony. And I'm telling you, 
The moment I stepped into obedience to Jesus again, he's opened more doors for my life. He's opened more, uh, unlocked more opportunities in my life. Friends, when you walk in obedience, he opens doors. Walking in obedience will lead you to your destiny. The, next, the last point is this. It's not about the what, it's about the will. It's not about the what, because every person in this room has a what. What are you talking about? What do you mean I have a what? You have a calling. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. You have something on your life that God has called you to do. And if it, it, it may not be pastoring a church or planting a church. It could be being a doctor or a lawyer or a politician bringing revival. Revival is not meant for the church. Revival is meant for people in the city. Revival is meant for our society so that they will come back to Jesus. And you see, here's what's amazing about Jonah is that he was the tool. He wasn't a tool. He was the tool. Well, he had some, he acted like a tool kind of. But he was the tool that God used to bring revival to a city that didn't know him. What is God calling you to do what is your what you see God has given every person a what what God is concerned with is will you do it will you step out in faith and watch God work you see why does God want to redeem cities because even in the beginning Cain stepped outside of God's presence he started the city of Enoch and he wanted to build something for himself, by himself, so that he would be glorified. But because he had God's mark on him, because you have God's mark on you, whatever it is that you are putting your hands to, it can be blessed. It, it, it may be for your glory right now, but God wants to use his, his power to, for his glory. I want you to know this today, is that God wants to redeem cities. And as the band begins to play, I want to share this thought with you is that if God's original intent was a garden, if his original design was peace in a garden, if his original idea was his presence in a garden, if it was a garden that he, he designed with Adam and Eve so that he could walk with his people, with his children, and why in the world would at the end of the Bible, would it be a city coming down from heaven? I'm here to tell you today, friends, that when, when Zion comes, it's not going to be just a city. It's a garden city. You see, I'm telling you, there's a river of light that flows through the city. Read it in Revelation. I want you to know this today, that whatever you put your hands to, whatever you put your plow to, God can still use it, and he can redeem it. What Cain tried to build on his own, God redeemed. He changes his original intent and brings a city down for us to live in for eternity. Would you stand with me today? We're going to worship. And we're going to declare over our city because God has a heart for cities. We're going to declare the name of Jesus. Would you raise your hands? And we're going to make, we're going to say, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. I want you to get this this morning, that cities are God's heart. People are God's heart because if people are going to cities, that's where God's heart is going. So we'll be a generation of Jonas. Will we be the generation that brings the message of Jesus? Will we be the generation that preaches with, without fear, without hesitation, without anxiety, and to bring the message, to bring the gospel to people?
Because people are God's heart and people are in the cities. Would you worship with us?